Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home, too? The place to do it is errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love, online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details. Drummond with a steal. Drummond was top ten in steals last season. Puts the ball in. Kansas. I've seen it all now. Garland dribbles through traffic, gets to the lane, floater up on the rim and in. It's beautiful. I love it. Way to go, Garland. Okoro drives to the lane, puts it up with the left hand. He got it to go and a foul to go with it. Oh, he's a smart one, Mike. Rebounded by Dotson. Three seconds left. The Cavs have a chance. Up to Okoro. He yes. lays it up. He lays it in. Okoro, with three-tenths of a second remaining, has given the Cavaliers the lead. Welcome to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Thank you for joining us on the Cleveland Cavaliers Radio Network. Now, here are your hosts, John Michael and Jim Jones. A couple of preseason games, a couple of preseason wins for the Cavaliers. The Cavs open up that preseason with two consecutive victories over the Indiana Pacers. It is great to have you with us here tonight on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. John Michael filling in for Tim Alcorn tonight on the radio side and joined by the one and only Jim Jones. Jimmy, a little bit of everything in each of those first two games. Wins, important somewhat for a team that's looking to feel that, looking to taste that victory, that feeling heading into this season. Maybe more importantly, Jim, a number of new faces with some really good showings and some nice first impressions for this franchise. It is, John. And the thing about it, I'm looking at the stat sheets now. I don't know how they did it. How did they play all these guys and win the game, too? (laughs) (laughs) You know, but they were looking at combinations. You know, you and I have been through this before. Uh, especially with new coaches, you know, they're trying to see what they have, who can adhere to an, a new style of play uh, quickly, quickly, and also who can play together and who wants to play together. And those are the keys for a coach. Well, coming into the preseason, I think a lot of eyes were on the number five overall pick 
in Isaac Okoro, and he did not disappoint in the first game. Scores 16 of his 18 points in the fourth quarter as the Cavaliers rally down the stretch for the win. Comes out and hits his first four shots the next night uh, in the Cavaliers' 116-106 victory over the Pacers. That was just yesterday. And, Jim, we knew what this young man could do defensively. At least, you know, you look at the scouting reports. That's why the Cavs went out and drafted him to get better on that perimeter, on the defensive end. But we had heard rumblings that his offense maybe is better than advertised. And, yeah, it's a small sample size, but that's what he showed over the first two games. Yeah, he did, John. You know, he made a three, and he made a few threes. But he also took the ball to the basket, and he finished strong. And those are some of the things that people told us about him, that he plays hard, he plays defense first, and he can finish at the rim. I like what I saw. But I also saw a tremendous amount of versatility in his skill set. You know, you talk about those threes too, Jim. We've heard that this kid is coachable. We've heard that he's a quick learner. In that first game, in the third quarter, he passes up a three, comes to the bench. J.B. Bickerstaff and his teammates say, hey, look, Isaac, you got to take those shots. When you're open, they must go up. They must go to the rim. Comes out in the fourth quarter, and he's a perfect five for five in that fourth quarter <laughs> with a couple of triples. Didn't hesitate, Jimmy. Didn't pass anything up, and he delivered as well. Well, you know what that showed me, John? It showed me that he has the capacity uh, to figure some things out on his own. They gave him, they ran two plays for him after timeouts, one in the first half and I think one at the beginning of the second half. And other than that, this kid figured out, hey, look it, let them rebound, let me get out on the break in space. He did that. Uh, away from the ball, he stayed home, and he trusted that his teammates could find him the ball, and they did, and that's how he was able to get threes. He showed me a lot of depth in understanding how to play this game. So the Cavaliers complete the preseason tomorrow night with a 7.30 tip in New York against the Knicks. And then same thing, they run it back on Friday, also at Madison Square Garden, also at 7.30. Something different this season, for those of you who aren't as familiar with the NBA, the broadcasters will not travel, at least for the first part of the season. So my question to you, Jimmy, is how are your eyes? Got to get ready to look at those monitors <laughs> tomorrow night to be able to call this game. Yeah, you know, you, you know, you know, John. Uh, uh, when you're 71 years old, the least, <laughs> the least that you can, the less you get out on the road, the better it is for you. <laughs> you know, uh, those lonely hotel rooms. I don't drink, you know, and uh, and I stay home. Uh, Tim and I were going to go to some theater plays in New York at one time, and then the virus. So those are the things that old people do. And I had to look at him and I said, you, you want to go see a stage play? I said, oh, okay, good for you. You know, but this is part of the challenge for all of us, you know, to make this thing work in spite of the things that we can't foresee. We're going to be in a studio, uh, both on the television side and on the radio side. We're going to have Angel Gray in the second half, and her job certainly changes dramatically. Uh, a unique perspective yes. for her, uh, interviewing people basically virtually now, and from a distance we'll get her insight uh, on how the preseason has gone for her. But first, here in the first half of this show, we're going to have Mr. Cavalier Austin Carr to join us. We're going to talk everything Cavs. That's straight ahead with AC right here on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Cavs HQ is brought to you by Sherwin-Williams, the official paint and coatings partner of the Cleveland Cavaliers, and by Huntington. If you need guidance on your money right now, talk to Huntington. Welcome. 
John Michael and Jim Jones, great to have you with us here this evening. And let's waste no time bringing in our featured guest here in the first half of the show. It is Mr. Cavalier, Austin Carr. AC, it seems that for months and months, all we did was talk on the phone. We FaceTimed, we Zoomed. Now all of a sudden, <laughs> I'm seeing you, I'm talking to you every night. Boy, it's beautiful to be back, isn't it? Oh, it feels great. I mean, once I've walked into the, you know, it's funny though, the first game, I felt lost a little bit in the arena. But now everything's come back. I know which elevators to get on, which ones not to get on. So, I even know I've cut out, I've cut out of probably about 50 steps by learning how to get around to our broadcast position. So it, things are coming back to me now. We're so accustomed to walking to the floor, but no broadcasters yes. are on the floor anymore. We're actually, for those familiar with the arena, AC and I are, are basically virtually opposite of where the Joe Tate Perch is and where Timmy and Jimmy are located AC, so many things to, to talk about. Let's just get your, your general thoughts. Cavs pick up a couple of victories, but as we were talking about on the other side of the break, the wins, yeah, they're great, you know, and they're important because this team is trying to get that feeling of winning back uh, in their blood, in their veins. But some nice performances from a lot of folks, including some new faces. Your thoughts uh, through the Cavaliers' first two contests? I kind of I feel pretty good about the first, even though, like Jimmy knows, it's just preseason, yeah. so you know that you can't get excited about too excited about it. But when you're in the situation the Cavs are in, and you're trying to build a culture, winning it—I don't care if it's against the little sisters of the poor—winning is important. <laughs> and so, you because you're trying to set a mental, a uh, mental approach to the game. And and what I was kind of excited about was how the new guys played, because when you, and Jim knows when you're trying to make a team, man. It's tough mentally on you because you're trying to do everything perfect. You're trying to impress people, and it's just tough to make it happen. And these guys stepped up big time in both games. I thought they played pretty decent. Jimmy, who were some of the newcomers who caught your eye? I mean, we we know what Isaac Okoro obviously did in game number one. He was strong again in game two, did so many different things. But other players, maybe a Damian Dotson, maybe a Thon Maker, uh, who stood out to you guys maybe trying to make this team or solidify a rotation position? Yeah, I think it was Dotson. I think Dotson's ability to get his own shot, uh, he's a combination guard, meaning that he can play point and he can also play the two guard. Uh, he's cocky enough and confident enough to make shots. Uh, he can make them off the dribble. He can finish at the rim. He can catch and shoot. He's just what the doctor ordered. I'm, I'm having visions of Clarkson <laughs> all, <laughs> all over again, guys. Dotson got the start at game number two after a sensational fourth quarter in the first game. You know, AC, at this time last year, the Cavs' size consisted of Tristan Thompson, 6'9", Kevin Love, 6'10", and Ante Zizic, who was rarely playing at that point. Now you look at this team in the middle, Andre Drummond, 6'11". A couple of seven-footers, Thon Maker, JaVale McGee. Jimmy, I want to get your take on this, too, of course, as it relates to big men. But vastly different now, AC, uh, in, on both ends of the floor in terms of what we see out there on the court. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and the one thing that I uh, like is, our big people have ability to move laterally across the lane and, and on the floor and up and down the floor. That, that to me, is very important because the way the game's set up now, you can't have a center who can't move laterally. He's got to be able to move laterally in order to give you some protection in the basket because most teams are going to try to keep him out of the basket area. So he's got to be able to move laterally good. And uh, 
I, and we got some size. We got guys that 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 have good arm length and strength. So keeping them in good positions is going to be important. Jimmy, you know all about this. I mean, you've played for different teams that have strong front lines. When you have that kind of size and that mobility that AC talked about, guys who can run the floor, how does that free up others, and what luxury does that provide for J.B. Bickerstaff to be able to do with the other guys outside of the paint? Well, John, I get your drift, and you're all over it, because what usually happens, if you get a talented center who can do more than just one thing, and he can do maybe one thing exceptionally well. With Drummond, it's his defensive rebounds and his steals, and I put them together because they're an aggressive action by him. But with McGee, McGee can block shots, and you can throw it up to the top of the square, and he can get you something in the rim by dunking it in. So so with that kind of versatility on the offensive and the defensive end, that puts us in rare company because now we're able to match up. And I take my hat off to Kobe and to JB because they really analyzed what they needed. There were three things that the Cavs were lacking in in order for them to be successful this season that they had to find an answer for. And, of course, it was the size. But the other thing was coming out of camp playing defense first. And the third thing was finding a small forward. Uh AC, we talk about defense. JB's talked about defense. That's been a huge theme throughout camp. I mean, obviously the Cavs went out and drafted the best perimeter defender in the draft. In the first two games, again, you know, we say this, we've said it on this show, it's a small sample size, but have you seen a difference defensively? Have you seen something different in terms of how it's manifested itself out there on the floor through the first eight quarters? Well, I would say what I've noticed is from uh, he he is sort of – Given the guys, guys seem to be wanting to play the defensive end. I mean, because he definitely does. You see it right away. He's he's always looking to tell to guard the tough guy, and he, and, he, and and they sort of and they sort of kind of give him to him too. They don't they don't they don't they're not bashful about saying, "Oh, you take him," <laughs> you know. So and and he steps up and he steals with him. But the 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 and playing against a team like the Pacers. Helps a lot too because they are they change their style of where they get up in your face. They want to play the passing lanes. They want to force you to have to make plays. And if you lazy passes against them, which the Cavs have found out, the lazy passes just leads feeds right into them getting easy baskets at the other end. But I think defensively that they're starting to understand. You know, I like the fact that once in a while, uh, coach has gotten it throws a little zone in there. I mean, because if you can be that fluid on your defensive end where you can go from a man-to-man or, or boxing one or a zone into a zone at, at moment's notice, you're really going to have a big advantage on the defensive end of the floor. And I'm, I'm happy to see that that's the end of the floor that they're focusing on. Joined by two of the greatest Cavalier legends of all time. It is Austin Carr. It is Jim Jones. When we come back, we'll talk more defense. We'll also talk about the small forward position. J.B. Bickerstaff in day one at camp said, yeah, we have a competition for that small forward position. Three guys in the running. All three have handled it well. More on that after this right here on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. The Pacer lead is two. Oladipo down the lane, trying to stuff it, and Drummond said no. Get that weak stuff out of here. 
With Jim Jones, this is John Michael as Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams rolls along. Our featured guest is Mr. Cavalier. It is Austin Carr. AC, let's talk small forwards. All right, first day of camp, J.B. Bickerstaff says, yes, we drafted a small forward in Isaac Okoro. The question is, does he have a chance to start? Is he your starter? And J.B. said, we're going to find out. It's an open competition. Of course, the incumbent is Jetty Osmond. Dylan Windler also ready for his first NBA season after missing all of last year. He is in the mix. All three, their attitudes have been great. I mean, particularly Jetty Osmond. I mean, a guy who has not reason to bristle, but you could see if that would happen. He said, I welcome the competition. It's going to make this team better. I'm confident in myself. Uh, and let's see how it all shakes out. Jetty, by the way, came out, put 23 up in 22 minutes in game number one. But we've seen Austin strong performances out of all three guys. Took Dylan Winler a little bit to get his feet wet in game one, but got it going in the fourth quarter. But Osman, Okoro, Windler, all strong here in the preseason thus far. Yeah, and, and I like that attitude that the coach has presented because it does make the team better. It keeps a competitive attitude during the course of the, all the practices, and everybody else starts to become aware that, they, you know, maybe not Love, because Love knows he's got his spot, but, I mean, everybody else is going to be a little bit focused on trying to, to be competitive, and, and that is how you start to change your culture. You have to start doing that, and, and I like what they're doing. And those three guys have been, uh, I thought, uh, all, play, all three of them have played pretty good. It took me a minute to, to catch on to Wendler's game, but now that I've watched him, as a matter of fact, during the telecast, and you said that stat they had where he, how much ground he covered, and I was like, oh, man, that, that doesn't sound like a stat that's going to help me, but help me figure out what's going on. But once I started realizing what he was doing, that young man never stopped. And I like that about him because that's the way I played a lot, without the ball and didn't want to stop, didn't want to keep going, trying to keep myself in position at all times to, uh, of, of, of the, of the uh, of offense. So I like what he's doing. He's doing a good job of that. And, uh, man, Okoro, I tell you, I, I really – that young man has has a chance to be a very solid basketball player in this league. He's not flashy, but boy, he brings it and he brings it all the time. And he and he wants to be uh, 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 competitive. He 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 thrives on that. And Jetty, I, I thought Jetty that's the best game I've seen Jetty play in a long yeah. time uh, with the Cavs. And you can just see all three of those guys are very keen on. They know the offense, they know the defense, and they're playing hard. To get everybody on the same page, that stat that Austin referenced was this. Now in all the practice courts and all the game courts, they have camera systems. It's called Sport View, and it takes 25 points of data per second, and they have all kind of new statistics all of a sudden, like hockey assists, uh, everything else. One of the stats they have is distance covered throughout the course of a game or throughout the course of practice. And J.B. Bickerstaff mentioned a couple of days ago that Dylan Windler far and away runs farther than anybody else in practice. So that was the stat that blew blew Austin's mind. But when you see him on the floor, it, it is a lot like a, a Steph Curry or a Kyle Korver on that offensive end, continually in motion, hunting his shot. Jim, is it fair at this stage to say that the small forward position was one where there was a lack of depth for the last couple of seasons. Now suddenly there is depth, or is it too early to say that? 
No, John, I think you can. And if you look around the league at the teams that are losing consistently, and if you look at the teams that are winning consistently, uh, in our league, you know, there, there's, two, there's two positions that are the most important. One is, is the shooting guard position, and I also want to take in combination guards, guards that can play the two and guards that can play the point. But the other spot is the small forward spot. And if you've got a small forward, and it looks like we have three guys uh, who could play the off guard, the wing, or the two guard, incredible amount of possibilities for, J, for JB and his staff. Because in this league, I always keep coming back to being able to match up. And I think that this system suits Jetty better than any system he's ever played in. He's not, he's not uh, they're, they're using him. And they're looking for him, and he's taking the shots he can make, which is the corner three, uh, the wing three, and he's able to get in the, into the paint and at the rim in an early transition. That's the way he plays, and this system seems to fit him perfectly. AC, before we let you go, let's take a look at the dynamic at the guard position. Among the starters, youngsters, most of the backups, veterans. In last night's game, Matt Delavadova out of the lineup with a back contusion, Dante Exum steps in, and you know it, he came in the middle of last season, kind of an up-and-down year for Dante. It was nicked up a little bit, but has a full camp, comes in ready, uh, and takes that backup role and was fantastic last night. He really carried the Cavaliers down the stretch. Ten assists in limited minutes through his first two games, and he is solidifying one of those backup guard roles, isn't he? Oh, yeah. I mean, when you look at it, again, he and Drummond both, have an opportunity to have a full camp. Now they're like ingrained into the system. Now they know what they have to do and, and, and where they should be and all that. And you could just see Exum, his first two shots were real flat. And then after that, every shot he took, he, 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 he finally gauged it and he had nice air under the ball. But I like, like you said, I like the point guard positioning of it because he's a big guy for a point guard and he can still handle the ball. He gets low. He doesn't stand straight up and handle it. He's down low so he can move. And, and when he gets into the foul line area with a small guard, he can go over top of him. So I really was impressed with uh, because I had never seen him play because he's been injured so much in his career. I've never seen him play a lot, but he really looked strong last evening. AC, hey, I asked Jim this earlier. How are your eyes? You ready to call the game off a monitor tomorrow night? <laughs> no, man, i tell you what. I don't know uh, – <laughs> I was in the office today, and I was kind of looking at the monitor, and I was like, oh, boy, this is going to be interesting. But uh, some kind of way, we'll get it done, because I'm just happy to be back. <laughs> You're not kidding. Just thrilled to be cooking. Hey, hey, AC, always great visiting. Thanks so much. All right, guys. Thank have you, a good AC. day. We're going to step right. away for just you a too. moment. More Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams right after this. The Cleveland Cavaliers, the Monsters, and Lexus are all for one, one for all this holiday season as they team up once again for the annual and now virtual toy drive. Join us in helping make the holidays special for children in our community by making a donation through the Cavs Community Foundation to support the holiday efforts of pre-selected nonprofits right here in Northeast Ohio. All donations made tonight and tomorrow will be matched dollar for dollar by the Cavaliers Community Foundation up to 5000 bucks. 
Cavs in the Community is brought to you by Discount Drug Mart. We'll be right back with Angel Gray in the second half of Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Cavalier legend Jim Jones. I am merely John Michael. Great to have you for the second half of Cavs HQ. It is presented by Sherwood-Williams. We got a chance to talk to Austin Carr in the first half of the show. And now we will bring in another member of our television team on Fox Sports Ohio. It is Angel Gray. Angel, I just said this to Austin. For nine months, we only talked on the phone. We FaceTime. Now I'm talking to you and seeing you every day. It's fantastic to be back. <laughs> It it is very good, but also overwhelming. But I'm so excited! <laughs> I get to work with some of the hardest working people in in this business, so I'm 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 excited about it. Are you saying that working with Austin and I is overwhelming? Is that the word that you used? <laughs> I, I guess talk, is that talking, what you meant? Talking Say what you mean. Second of the day, that is overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> well, is. Angel, thanks, thank you so much for joining us. We were talking a little bit in the first half of the show about. How things are different. I mean, we're thrilled to be back, but vantage points are different. Obviously, people are spaced out, fewer fans in the arenas. You know, we have some challenges in terms of play-by-play, in terms of Jim being an analyst. No challenge, I think, is bigger or at least difference is bigger than yours. I mean, your world and what you do seemingly is turned upside down. I'm, I'm interested to hear. I mean, you now have two games under your belt. Uh, in terms of the two preseason games, but things are different in terms of where you stand, how you interview folks. Can you just take our fans through how your life has changed coming into this new season in the new norm? Oh, absolutely. To be quite frank and transparent, coming into this season, you're just very, um, I don't know, you're just nervous about if they're taking away the closeness, you know, of the game. We are used as that reporter. We're you know, behind the bench, we're, you know, building relationships at practice. There's like a close proximity that we have that um, aids us in our job. So me covering the huddles, me being at practice and getting those one-on-ones with the coaches or the players, that's how we get the inside scoop from everybody else and in, in outside of any other media that is given to, you know, the players. So right. it, it's very interesting that we're kind of like, included in the bunch now but just finding creative ways to still do your job and and make it fun for the viewers because they still want Cavs basketball to be covered the best way possible so it is different for me um being up you know in the actual media section and doing interviews you know from up top and looking into a camera and saying instead of standing right next to the player or coach and building those relationships even yesterday's game I recall like being at the top you know, in my media section, looking down in the huddle, and I'm like, oh, man, I know this one's good, and I can't even get in on it, you know? <laughs> so those are those are things that are kind of, you know, is a bummer for the game, but we still get to cover the game that we love. Last thing, even with the mask on, I don't know if um, <laughs> you or AC have to wear it during the game, but for me, even giving those hits, like I'm breathing in cotton, in my mouth, you know, and so it's just like finding a way to deliver it, knowing that this is around my nose and mouth, a lot like how J.B. Bickerstaff is adjusting to coaching with the mask on, too. I literally put duct tape on my nose so I can have it taped on my nose and it's not falling down during a hit. 
so those are the different adjustments. I mean, just a, a few minor ones, but I, I think at the end of the day, we're just excited that we get back to the job. Jim, how's that adjustment been for you as an analyst, not being able – I mean, you're so great with relationships, and, and I, I it, it always amazed me that players just like to come up and talk to you and volunteer information. You don't even have to go and seek it out some of the time, but it, it's different now. I mean, we don't get anywhere near the practice court. We don't get anywhere near the plane or anything like that. We you know, simply have to view it from afar. Has your job changed? Has it made it more difficult, or are you finding other ways? Yeah, uh, it is more difficult because uh, uh, by nature, I'm an observer. I like to watch. Mm -hmm. I like to look at things and see how they're developing. And I play a little game with myself. Uh, I come to some conclusions, and most of the time I'm wrong just by watching people, not even really getting a one-on-one experience, but just seeing how they act in situations as far as the score is concerned, being up or down. And then I watch, I'm a coach watcher. You and I used to talk about that. I like to watch coaches, see how they react based upon time and score. And, uh, and but the motivation uh, has always been the fan noise. And so my biggest concern, because I used to do early ESPN where we wouldn't have many fans because basketball wasn't the, wasn't the deal it is now. And I remember those places would be half full. Georgia Tech and some of those places, Angel, they used to be half full. And uh, my uh, uh, AD would always say, keep your voice up, keep your voice up, you know. So you, you miss that energy from the crowd. You really do. And uh, those are once some of my biggest concerns. Angel, you talked about something interesting, and you brought it up in the game last night. The coaches have the masks on, and that has created some communication problems out there on the floor, even without fans, hasn't it? Oh, Absolutely. You can see both sides, how they're screaming across the court. The players are looking at them with the mask on, and then the coach finally takes the mask off, screams out the instruction, and then they have to put it back on. There is a hindrance because even with you being on the sideline and the crowd being in the back in the background, you could still read lips. Now that's completely taken away. Yes. So I think in a sense it that's helps right. with the communication, as Larry Nance alluded to in media, that we're going to have to play like telephone for a while where the closest athlete, the, the closest player to coach, that has to be relayed to them. And then it is their duty to tell everyone else. And they have to be on the same page with that. So I think they're all trying to figure this thing out um, together. Um, and we said it before, maybe even some signals that are, are being used instead of just actual um, the vocal aspect of it. So we'll see how they can adjust. And I think what that's another part of, you know, playing a season in COVID, but though, how important it is to have those preseason games because you can work through those kinks. Yeah, it's incredible to think about how there is going to be carryover, not just, you know, in basketball, but in real life in terms of people working from home or things that are actually better off that we found out only because of COVID and we weren't able to do things for nine months. Hand signals is a perfect example. Angie, you'd think that in a crowded arena – You know, that's something that might be a little more prevalent than it is right now in the NBA. Angel, we're running up against a break before we let you go. What are you most looking forward to? I mean, we all, we have our first studio road game. Who knows (laughs) how that's going to work out uh, tomorrow night and also on Friday. But in terms of, you know, we're all thrilled to be back. But, you know, as you look forward to this season and the, the different season and the substantial differences from what we have become accustomed to. What are you looking forward to? Uh, what is on the horizon in your eyes? You know what? Obviously, I am excited about being back with you guys. But, two, this is my third season and third different head coach, too. 
So it's seeing how they're adjusting under um, Coach Bickerstaff and what that means for this team. Uh, we've heard all, you know, the positives about what he brings, especially improving on the defensive end, but um, just the balance that the team has at this point and seeing the people that have said they want to step up in the leadership roles, seeing if, you know, that is going to be something that they can continue throughout the season. So I'm excited about that. Obviously, really I'm interested in seeing how Isaac Okoro continues to blossom in this league. And some of those unsung heroes, um, Damian Dawson, you know, Dante Exum had an incredible game the last game against the Pacers. Some of those players that you knew were okay, but now are continuing to show why they have, you know, earned their footing in this league. I'm excited about covering that. Angel, thanks so much. Always good to visit with you. And, hey, see you tomorrow night. Thank you, Angel. See you tomorrow night. Thanks, guys. All right. Our thanks to Angel Gray as we roll along here on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. When we come back, Jim and I will preview Cavs Knicks tomorrow night, tip time, 730, right here on the Cavaliers Radio Network. McConnell has it outside against Exxon. We're down to eight seconds. Seven, six, five. McConnell to the lane. Ball taken away by Drummond. Drummond fires up the three. Oh! Oh! Great Drummond from nearly mid-floor as he just got to the C of the Cavs logo in front. And what a finish. It's preseason basketball. Oh, man, it's good to hear Michael calling a game. Our very own Mike Snyder, he calls a mean basketball game as Michael filling in yes, for does. Tim Elkhorn. Working with Michael again, Jimmy, like old times, huh? Yeah, it is, it is. You know, but the only problem, uh, we usually go to eat lunch together. There was nowhere to eat today, so <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> Another new thing to get used to once <laughs> once we come into the arena yeah. uh, as we uh, are in the new norm here. In the NBA, the Cavaliers 2-0 in the preseason. Tomorrow night, 7.30 tip. The Cavaliers take on the New York Knicks at Madison Square Garden. You can catch all the action right here on the Cavaliers radio network on the TV side on Fox Sports Ohio. The talk of the Knicks so far, Jim Jones has been the rookie out of Dayton. Obi Toppin, Naismith College Player of the Year, slid down to eighth in the lottery. He's a Brooklyn native. The Knicks are excited with what they have. Yeah, and well, they should be. Uh, the other night, they played against the Knicks and I'm um, against the Pistons, and uh, they and he came off the bench. I said, "Well, there's there's the Thibodeau, true to his traditional nature. He's not going to start any rookies at all, <laughs> not even in an exhibition game. You know, but when you talk about the Knicks, you talk about their inconsistency of play in general, and it's because they just don't have the pieces to match up in the starting five, let alone the bench play." Yeah, and they're hoping that Obi Toppin can provide a spark. Did come off the bench in each of his first two preseason games. Uh, in game number one, uh, was pretty effective, was Obi Toppin. Uh, in game number two, not so much. We'll talk a little bit about that uh, as we roll along. But it's sure. a Knicks team that now is under the watch of Tom Thibodeau. Was out of the league last season. Spent five years uh, in the Cavaliers division as the head coach of the Chicago Bulls. Then two and a half with the Timberwolves. Did not coach last season. He's back in the Big Apple. And, and you know, it's always funny hearing guys talk about camp during these preseason days, Jim. And there's always so much optimism. And we're a new team. And we're stronger defensively. And, and it's almost like you hear that from a lot of different teams. 
Tom Thibodeau means it. I mean, throughout the first two games in Detroit against the Pistons, <laughs> that masks off. He's chewing out veterans. He's chewing out youngsters. doesn't matter who they are. Tom Thibodeau does it a certain way, doesn't he, Jim? And it's not like a lot of coaches nowadays in the NBA. No, he has his own style, and all this game demands from a coach is for the coach to be himself and be consistent with his approach to the game and his strategies. And if he does that, you know, he'll win those young players over. One of the things, because of their inconsistency of play, uh, management went for someone who was disciplined, someone who could get them into the right reality to at least be more competitive about games. But Tom Thibodeau has always had guard play, and that's where the Knicks are lacking. They don't have really good guard play. And by good guard play, I mean a guard who can create for others, create for himself, and get it done every night. So that's going to be, I think, their biggest challenge. I know they had to go for Obi because he's that great a player, but they need guard play. They have a slew of guards due the Knicks, including Dennis Smith, Alfred Payton, Frank Nielakina, none of which have been particularly effective over the last couple of seasons. Kevin Knox is a swingman. R.J. Barrett was coming on at the end of last yep. season, number three overall pick behind Zion Williamson and John Morant. A lot of bodies there. You had a lot of young players. Jim, this is a Knicks team that's had a lottery pick each of the last four seasons. R.J. Barrett did a nice job last season, had some up-and-down moments like all rookies do gracefully handled the pressure in New York. They think he's going to be a good one, uh, but they haven't gotten out of Kevin Knox what they wanted to get out of him. Uh, they got Emmanuel Quigley later in the first round. Quickly, I should say, out of uh, Kentucky. Uh, curious as to what he's going to be able to do, but I think you nailed it in terms of consistency. That guard play is leaving a lot to be desired, and uh, that kind of puts you in a spot, doesn't it, for a team that uh, hasn't been able to even sniff the playoffs over the last couple of years. Yeah, you, you, you know, because this is a guard league, and we talked about it uh, with Austin. You know, it's about guard play and small forward play, and they don't have either who's been consistent. But what they do have, they have length in the paint. Nerland, uh, Nerland's uh, Noel, and they've got Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson was almost a double-double guy last season, and they didn't play him, I felt, uh, the way they should have played him. But uh, Thibodeau will get the most out of him. But those two players give them an advantage defensively because they're both defensive-minded. Tom Thibodeau looking to take the Knicks back to the playoffs for the first time in seven seasons. Back in 12-13, the Knicks went 54-28 and with Carmelo Anthony. They were the two-seed in the East. They lost in the second round to Boston. Since then, they haven't been close. In fact, since 2000, when the Knicks lost in the Eastern Conference Finals, the Knicks have won a grand total of only one playoff series so a tall task in front of Tom Thibodeau mm. as he looks to right the ship Jimmy you, you know this when you came out of Marquette right and you go to the ABA and you're a highly touted prospect uh, so let's take the situation coming up for these next two games Obi Toppin who many had projected going to the Knicks at or the Cavaliers I beg your pardon at five slides to the Knicks at eight of course Isaac Okoro is the selection for the Cavaliers at five when you went up against some of those players, some of those guys that were going into the ABA and the NBA who were highly touted, who were prospects who you knew in the college game, how much extra? Obviously, it gives you something extra, right? But how much extra does that give you to maybe try to beat a guy you know, one-on-one -on -one or statistic-wise? How does that affect a young player at that stage of his career when you're going up against guys who were selected right around you in the draft? Yeah, I think it's a motivating factor. I think it's a factor in all sports. You know, you want to go out there and you're so used to always having to prove yourself. 
So you're always looking for motivation, and the motivation is who went ahead of you and who went after you. And uh, in my case, it, it went all the way back to high school and, and college. By the time I got to the to the ABA or the NBA, some of those guys had become what you might call uh, almost stars in the NBA. And when I came to the NBA, I was beating these guys up pretty good, and they were supposed to have been all-stars. So it was a feather in my cap. So as a player, you're always looking for something to motivate you because 82 games, in this case 72, that's a lot of basketball. That's a lot to get out there and play hard every night. And sometimes you need a little kick in the pants, and that kick in the pants can be trying to outperform someone who went ahead of you. Jimmy, let me ask you this, and for those listening, excuse me for just wanting to tap into to your background a little bit, right? I mean, you go into the ABA before you went to the NBA, right? And, and you mentioned, but by the time you got to the NBA, you were a little more seasoned, and you were taking on guys and beating guys, uh, maybe because of that ABA experience. If you had to do it all over again, Jimmy, would you do it the same way? Would things be different? Yeah, I think I would have did it the same way, John, mm-hmm. because they came the hardest. Uh, we had just played March, a nationally televised game against Jacksonville and a young center, seven-footer named David Brent. And I outplayed him, and uh, right after the game, I was told to go see uh, this agent. And so uh, I take the bus downtown. Well, we were downtown. took the bus across town, and I went to this guy's office. And he had the owner of the New York Nets on the phone, uh, a Mr. Roy Bow. And Roy Bowe said, and uh, he, he said, we're going to offer you a lot of money. I said, uh, I'll take it. You know, I didn't hesitate because <laughs> father had just died two years before that. My mom was making salad at a great Italian restaurant and bringing leftovers home. So we were eating filet mignon before I could spell it. <laughs> you know, so 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 I signed. I, I wanted to sign, but I said, can you wait till after the season? Because at the time, we were the number one ranked team in the United States. We were it was us, UCLA, and whomever. And so I was the number one center at the time. So uh, he said, no, we can't wait. And I, and I said, what do you mean you can't wait? He said, because we had Bob Lanier, who had signed and told us he was coming and didn't come. I don't want to lose you. So you either take the money or forget it. So I looked at my agent at the time, and he said, take the money. Based on your situation of hardship, take the money. So I took the money, and I'd do it again if the circumstances were the same. But uh, but John, also, a lot of these guys, like a thon maker, and you look at Drummond, sometimes you get with the wrong team to start your career. And it can make a difference because if you're not playing up to expectations, they label you. You don't get the calls. You don't get the benefit. Instead of being the second or the first option, you end up being the third or the fourth because they typecast you. And I look at Drummond, and I look at Thon Maker, and I look, I think that's what happened to them. They were talented kids with a lot of potential, but with the wrong teams. And uh, Drummond has a chance now. He's with a great organization, a coach that understands bigs coming from his Memphis experience. Thon Maker is finally going to get a chance to do the things that he does well. And as we mentioned in the first half of the show, you know, the, the offense and the defense we're playing is perfect for Jetty Osmond. And he's excelling in it at practice and, of course, in that first game. Yeah, it's really uh, there's been a lot to look at, you know, through eight quarters, uh, and the the relationship between Maker and Drummond is well known. They were teammates uh, in Detroit. Maker started his career two and a half seasons in Milwaukee, then a season and a half in Detroit. Uh, now in Cavaliers camp, providing some size in that paint 
for this Cavalier team. And no question, Jetty Osmond has responded well to that uh, competition for the starting small forward spot with the Cavs. Cavaliers and Knicks get it going tomorrow night, a 7.30 tip. Then again on Friday night, again, you can catch all the action right here on the Cavaliers Radio Network. We will be back to wrap things up right after this on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Back to wrap things up on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Our thanks to our guests, Austin Carr and Angel Gray. Preseason game three of four, tomorrow night, tip time, 7.30, Cavs at the New York Knicks. Same thing on Friday night. That, too, is a 7.30 tip in New York. For Jim Jones, this is John Michael filling in for Tim Alcorn. So long, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you here tomorrow night on the Cavaliers Radio Network. You can also catch the game on the TV side on Fox Sports Ohio. Cavs HQ was brought to you by Sherwin-Williams, the official paint and coatings partner of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And by Huntington. If you need guidance on your money right now, talk to Huntington. Welcome.